jumping in the car immediately after this service, driving four or five hours downstate, preaching tonight in a church there. So if you think about it, say a prayer. I would appreciate it. Amen. The Lord has given me a word for this day. He's given me a word for this moment. I, I don't um, necessarily need confirmation from the songs that are sung before I preach, but it sure is nice. It sure is nice. And they're what they have felt led of the Holy Ghost to sing today as we worship the Lord in song has confirmed what the word of the Lord would desire to say to this people today. I one word title forward. Forward. Somebody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. In the Old Testament portion of our Bibles, we find that it was the Jewish people, the Israelite people that were God's chosen people. These were the ones on whom God's precepts and promises were both resting on. Now I'm thankful today that I know that because of the cross and because of Calvary and because what the Lord did at the cross, I'm thankful that God's promises have now been made available to everybody, both Jew and Gentile. Anybody thankful for it today? Let me just stop for a moment and tell you, it doesn't matter who you are today. The promises of God are yea and amen. Whatever's in this book for you is for you. It don't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what side of the track. Come on, somebody. doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, what kind of car you drove up in here with or you walked your way to the house of the Lord today. I'm here to tell somebody the promises of the Lord are for everybody. Somebody shout for whosoever will. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. So we're thankful for that reality today. And yet, we find that in the Old Testament, the hand of the Lord was upon the Israelites. And it was these same Israelites, stay with me now as I build a foundation, these same Israelites that the Scripture informs us that at one point in their history, they became the captives of the Egyptians. The Egyptians at this point in time were the greatest and the most powerful people in the then known world and they forced the Israelites to become their slaves in order to do the work necessary to build their Egyptian empire. And yet, because of the fact that the Israelites were God's chosen people, we find in the book of Exodus That there came a certain point when the Lord decided that he was going to deliver his people from Egyptian bondage. Great story in and of itself. So it was that their day of release came and their moment of escape was made available from the tyrannical control of Egypt's oppressive hand. The king of Egypt 
as you read the story in Exodus, understanding that it was at the behest of the Lord. The king of Egypt gave eventually the consent for the Israelites to leave Egypt. So it was that they made their way out of Egypt and they began to march towards their land of promise that the Lord would give to them. And yet what they did not know was that as they were joyfully marching towards their new destiny, that the king of Egypt had changed his mind. And at that very moment as they were laughing and talking and marching towards their promise, the king of Egypt was sending forth his army to chase after them in order to once again bring them back into bondage and back under his cruel control. After a little while, as the Israelites began to journey, word began to spread from the rear ranks of the Israelites that the Egyptian army was following closely on their heels. Word began to spread and move forward to the front of the ranks and everybody began to talk about it and everybody began to wonder what was going to happen which in and of itself knowing that this Egyptian army one of the most powerful armies of the then known world was bearing down upon them no doubt brought fear, trepidation into the hearts and the minds of the Israelites. Now we find the enemy closing quickly behind them. And if that was not enough, they now look forward. And what they see in front of them was the Red Sea, obstructing any chance that they had for an escape. The Egyptian army behind us, the Red Sea in front of us. What a predicament to be in. That is where we pick up the story today as we hear the response of the Israelites in that most distressing of moments. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, And we know that it wasn't a proper prayer because we see their heart in the next verse, verse 11. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us out of Egypt? You're the one that convinced us and told us we could get out of Egypt. Why did you do that? Verse 12, is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt saying, let us alone, that we will serve the Egyptians? Don't you remember us telling you we would rather just stay here in Egypt? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Mm. Now, you got to get the picture. 
Some of you may have known this story for a while and heard it taught. Some of you may have not, but all of us need to get the picture. There were multiplied thousands. It wasn't a couple hundred people. It was, you know, some commentaries say it's, it was 60,000. Some say 60,000 is the low number. Some say there was a couple hundred thousand. But then nobody knows exactly, but it was, it was multiplied thousands of people. And you got to understand the first people get to the Red Sea and there's nowhere to go. And so everybody else just keeps cramming in and, and, and that, that, that mob of people just keeps getting tighter and bigger along the shores of the Red Sea. And, and as they're there, they're all looking behind them off into the distance as they see the dust from the chariots and the horses of the Egyptian king's men barreling relentlessly towards them and they have nowhere to go. Wives looking with confused and fearful eyes towards their husbands for direction. Husbands frantic because they realize that they are absolutely powerless to fix the problem that their family is currently facing. Children crying, people are yelling, possible fighting taking place for a position further away from the impending danger of the fast approaching Egyptian army and now, now with clenched fists and with anger in their voice, they began to hurl accusations at their leader for leading them into this catastrophic reality in the first place. Moses, yeah, the deliverance from Egypt was pretty miraculous. The hand of the Lord upon us up until this moment has been pretty remarkable. And yes, we've got to experience some great things in the last little while, but now we're all about to die, Moses. You've led us well in the past, but now you've made a mistake Moses, and the mistake is going to stop us from encountering the fullness of what God has promised to us. Moses, you simply believed that God was desiring to do more than what he could actually accomplish. Moses, your vision for what we would become surely inspired us back in Egypt And it looked for a moment like it would actually become a reality, Moses. But your vision must not have been based upon the will of the Lord. Because look at where your vision has brought us to. Moses, this is where the vision stops. This is where the vision dies. Moses, it would have been better for us to never have even attempted what we've attempted than to have attempted it and failed. Moses, it didn't work out the way you said it was going to work out. We thought this was just going to be a simple trek into the promised land. We thought this journey would be free from trouble and free from problems and free from setbacks and free from adversity and free from challenges. But Moses, that's not the case at all. For today we are experiencing that which is bringing tears to our eyes and confusion to our minds and hurt and questions and sorrow and what feels like certain loss to be sure. 
this was the crisis context that Moses and the people found themselves on that fateful day. But it is the response, stay with me now, it is the response of Moses that I'd like to bring your attention to for a moment. For after the people have voiced their displeasure, after the people had hurled their accusations and their frustrations and their confused mindsets towards Moses, he responds with these words. Exodus 14 and 13. And Moses says back to the people, Fear ye not. Ooh. Now, Pastor Ron, I, 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 uh, I understand a little bit about leadership. I understand a little bit about leading people. And, and I, I put myself into that equation. What would I have said? <laughs> I mean, there's... 60,000 people hurling accusations. You made a mistake. You led us wrong. <laughs> and so it is the question that I had as I read this portion of the story for, the, again, the, the chariots of Egypt were fast approaching and with their arrival, the best possible outcome they could expect was to return back to slavery. That was the best outcome more than likely they were probably going to die. Those around Moses were overcome by the negative that had permeated the atmosphere. Many could not get beyond the questions that were in their mind for how could we have gotten to this place in the first place. A great percentage of the people were doubting the leadership of Moses and questioning his right to lead them at all. So how in the world was Moses able to stand in the face of all of that and say, fear not? And then as I'm looking at this and studying this and talking to the Lord about this, I feel like the Lord gave me the answer. For while others only saw the Egyptian army getting ever closer. <laughs> and while many others only saw their escape cut off by the Red Sea, and while many others were only aware of the certain demise that was all but a reality, I believe Moses saw something else entirely. And here's what I believe Moses saw. For just one chapter previous to our story, we find this promise from the Lord. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in the way. And by night, he was a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day or to go by night. Verse 22, he took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor did he take away the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So somebody get this with me now. Somewhere 
above the confused people somewhere above the fearful crowd that was crammed next to the Red Sea there was a cloud hovering over them and that cloud was none other than a physical manifestation of the presence of almighty God and all it took I said all it took was one glance to the cloud to remind Moses that God was still fighting for them and God was still with them and God was still for them and God had not left them and God was still at work on their behalf. One glance to the cloud was enough for Moses to let the people know that in the face of what seems like certain death, you have absolutely nothing to fear. In the face of confusion, in the face of concern, in the face of uncertainty, one glance to the cloud assured Moses of the fact you do not have nothing to fear. And I rise to declare to this great church that I love so dear, I also have looked up And I also have seen the cloud. And I also know that just as God was with them back in Exodus, he's with us today. And God is on our side. And God is fighting for us. I've seen the cloud, Brother Rodis. I've seen the cloud, Brother Wellman. I've looked up and seen it. And I know that I stand before this crowd, that this church, that God has called me to lead. And I can tell you with an assurity, you don't have anything to fear. God is on our side. God is with us. I want you to hear me very carefully today. I am not concerned about our tomorrows. I am not the least bit fearful of what we're facing. I am not at all anxious about our ability to fulfill the vision that God has called us to fulfill. I've seen the cloud. You may be seated. I realize pastoring for 20 plus years here, I realize that we as a church, we as individuals, may have experienced what seems like setbacks. I realize that questions beyond our ability to answer may have been formatted in our minds. I realize that our march towards the fulfillment of promise is sometimes marked with unexpected encounters that have to be dealt with 
unforeseen hurdles that have to be gotten over and unanticipated obstacles that have to be overcome. But I need this church to know that in spite of all of those things, I have looked up. I have seen the cloud and I've been sent to tell you we have nothing to fear. God is where he's always been. God is still with us. God is still on our side. God is still working on our behalf. God is still on the throne. God is still for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, somebody praise him if you know I'm preaching right. Come on, if you feel a witness in the Holy Ghost, I want you to praise him. If God is with us, there's nothing that can keep us from the promises that are resting on this church. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what we face. Doesn't matter what the obstacle is. If God is for us, we will accomplish everything. Everything. Somebody shout everything. Woo. Not afraid. I said I'm not afraid. I said I've seen the cloud. You have nothing to fear. may be seated I want you to see now the next thing that Moses declared to the people Exodus 14 13 stay with me now and Moses said unto the people fear ye not stand still and see the salvation of your Lord which he's going to show you today Somebody say, stand still. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm looking at this text, prayerfully considering what the word, what the Lord would want to say to us. And I noticed, in this context, if God's people were supposed to be somewhere else, other than where they were, at that very moment, then Moses would have never told him, stand still. If they, hear me in the Holy Ghost right now, if they were walking outside of the will of God, if they should have been 15 miles to the east, then Moses never would have told them, stand still, right where you are. So the revelation that we need to receive from this textual reality is that even though they may have been in a place of temporary confusion, <laughs> even though they may have been in a place of questions, 
even though they may have been in a place of tears and maybe even more than just a little trepidation, they were exactly in the right place where God wanted them to be. Because you got to remember the promise from the Lord. Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way. The presence of the Lord led them to stand in the exact spot where they were standing. I know the spot probably wouldn't have been the place they would have chosen I know the spot may have been filled with more questions than answers. I know the spot may have been more than just a little confusing to them. I know the spot brought them to a place where it looked like they didn't have that which was necessary to move forward into the things that God had promised to them. But irrespective of what they may have thought, what they may have felt and what they may have encountered, they were exactly where God wanted them to be. I said that to say this. I want this church to know in spite of every setback, in spite of every loss, in spite of every obstacle, I am supremely confident of the fact that this church is exactly where God has positioned us to be at this time and in this day. Hear me? We have not gone backwards. We have not got sidetracked. We have not gotten off course. We are exactly positioned where the Lord has destined for this church to be at this time. If you believe that, shout amen. Hear me now. The wrong decisions of a few cannot counteract the thousands of right decisions that this church has made for so many years. A handful of setbacks cannot displace the church from remaining in the will of God Why? Because too much prayer has gone forth over this church over the years. We've had far too many three days of prayer and fasting (laughs) over the years. Too much sacrifice has been given by this church over the years. Too much obedience has been demonstrated by this church over the years. Too much submission to God's perfect will and perfect plan has been shown by this great church over the years. It's going to take a whole lot more than just a few negative setbacks to counteract the mountain of spiritual tests that this church has passed over the decades. 
Take confidence today. Take confidence today. This church is exactly where it is supposed to be. This church is exactly where God wants it to be. We have not missed it. We have not taken a wrong turn. We have not gotten off track. The hand of the Lord is upon us and we are in the will of God. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, somebody praise him one more time. Praise him if you believe the church that you're a part of right here on a local level is in the will of God. Praise him if you're glad to be a part of it. Praise him if you know we're doing what he called us to do. Which brings me, maybe seated, to my last and my final point. For after Moses tells them, do not fear. And after he tells them, stand still. We then read Exodus 14 and 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak until the children of Israel that they go Moses, lift up your rod, stretch thine hand over the sea, and it's going to divide. And the children of Israel shall, promise, shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, now, stay with me now as I close. What looked like an impossible obstacle to Moses and to the people was not an obstacle at all to God. So go forward. What looked impractical in the moment, what looked unattainable, what looked absolutely unfeasible to the Israelites was no big deal at all. So go <laughs> The Red Sea is almost 1,400 miles long. 220 miles wide, has an average depth of 1,600 feet and a maximum depth of almost 10,000 feet, but none of that mattered to the Lord. Go forward. Somebody shout, go forward. Somebody shout it like you mean it. Go forward. Hear me in the Holy Ghost Church. All week long, even before I was drawn to this text, as I've been praying, and even as I've just went about my day, I kept feeling the Lord speak to me one word, and one word only, and that one word was forward. Just so there's no confusion to anybody in the house, I want you to know that my eyes 
as your pastor are not focused on the enemy that is behind us for with faith in my heart and with belief in my soul my eyes are focused on the miracles of our todays and the promises of our tomorrows I am not overcome I am not overwhelmed by the obstacles that we may have encountered along the journey with boldness my hands are outstretched over the pathway of our victory and I know God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way come on he's going to do it He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. You can stand or sit, whatever you want to do. I need to say this few more things and I'll be done. I want you to hear this very plainly. I am not concerned with what may look like to some as insufficient means necessary to accomplish the vision. It may look insufficient to you, but I'm not concerned in the least. I am not bothered in the least by any obstacle that may have come our way or may will come our way someday, either by the antagonist of our soul or by the fleshly decisions of man. I am more excited about the vision today than I've ever been about it in the entirety of pastoring this great church. I've come to preach to the church that I love. This is not the time to shrink back to a place of comfort. This is time for the church to go forward, forward, forward to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. This is not the time to settle for something less simply because we've encountered some things that were above our ability to comprehend. No, sir. No, ma'am. It's time for the church to go forward. Somebody shout forward. Somebody shout forward. Stand to your feet. I want to be very clear. So there's no confusion in the minds and hearts of anybody about where your pastor stands. I want you to know what I see. I see obstacles before us parting. That's what I see. God has already prepared the pathway to victory. 
He's already prepared a pathway to greater harvest. He's already prepared a pathway to 25 campuses. He's already prepared a pathway for this church to reach up and reach out and reach in like never before. I see that. And here's the thing. As your pastor, I have already started walking. I have seen the waters part. I have seen the cloud overhead. I have got a revelation that God is for us. I've got a reality that he's going to fight on our behalf and there's nothing anybody can do about it because if God be for us, who can be against us? I've seen the waters part and I'm marching through it and my question to you is this. Who is going to go with me? I've already started walking. I've already started trudging into the promises of our tomorrow. And it's great. And it's wonderful. And it's glorious. I just got to know who's with me. 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 Come on, the sea is parting. Dry ground is forming. Promises are being made available. I'm walking in it, and I want you to walk in it with me. I'm not slowing up. I'm not giving in. I'm not quitting. I'm not discouraged. I'm not fraught with questions. I know God is on our side. If you're with me, lift your hands and I want you to begin to worship with faith. 